wrap this all up, I'm fixing to be going into science, archaeology, and the Bible, and I'm excited about it. How many of you are excited about it? Better say amen, because it's going to be a lot of work on me, and if you don't want to hear it, I don't want to do it. So, somebody say amen if you're excited about it. There you go, Mary's excited, so I'm going to do it. All right. Anyway, I'm going to wrap this up. I have thoroughly enjoyed a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I hope you have too. It's been a collection of sermons. By the way, we have just now got this. We, we tried it out Sunday, and it worked beautifully. But we're going back to recording all of our services again. They'll be available on CDs. I'm going to be making them available. These series, I'm going to make those available. The Science, Archaeology, and the Bible, my goal, Brother Jelani, there's a lot of pressure on you because if it doesn't record and there's a blank one in the middle missing, people are going to be mad at you. But we're going to be recording again. I used to record everything, but we're going to be recording, making those available. We'll, have, we'll let you know, Mary. I'm not sure at this point once we add up the cost of productions and all, but it won't be much. We're not trying to make money on it. But we'll, we'll make those available, and it's going to be exciting, and you can hear things and spread them to your family. That sermon Dr. Coral preached, it was recorded Sunday. If you've got somebody you want to hear that sermon, they can get it. You can, we'll get order forms made and put in the office and in these hallways. And if you want a certain sermon, you can fill that out and order it. We'll give you instructions in the bulletin on how to do that as well. But uh, Brother Jelani has been saddled with the responsibility. What happened was I caught him in the hallway when the idea hit me, and he was the first guy I saw, so he got the job. But, but he has agreed to do it. He's going to catalog and keep this organized and... And you can probably even order back sermons as long as you, he knows the titles and the dates. But I'm excited about that, and, and, and I, I think it's a good thing. But we'll be recording this science, archaeology, and the Bible series, and I plan to package it and make it available in a series where you can get them all in a, in a thing. We'll put them in the library down there as well. If you want to get them out and listen to them, put them back, you can. So all that will be good. All right, I'm going to be going into this tonight, and I want to read you a text verse. If you would, go to Ezekiel chapter 6. It's in the clean part of your Bible. Man, I've been reading through, in the last six months, I've been reading through Jeremiah, Lamentations, now I'm in Ezekiel. Talk about some hard reading. It's, it's, it's hard reading, sad reading, and it's very deep, very dark. And, uh, but I keep finding these little nuggets in here that, that speak to me uh, as I'm looking at it and seeing the things that are there and, and, and understanding the context of, these were prophets that were having to preach to a nation that was about to be judged in a horrible way, falling on deaf ears, people mocking them, people laughing at them, people ignoring them. Jeremiah was told up front, you're going to have to have a ministry to preach to, uh, to Israel, but God told him up front, you're going to fail. You're not going to be successful. They're going to reject it, they're going to mock it, they're going to laugh at it, and I'm going to judge them. Your preaching is going to have no success, it's going to have no bearing, Preach anyway. You realize that we are supposed to be faithful even if we don't have results? We get upset sometimes. We go soul winning. Miss Terrell, how many weeks have we gone in a row? I mean, you guys, Miss Cecile, you know what I'm talking about? Brother JC? We've talked about it how many times, Miss Galay? We've gone out soul winning on Saturday, taking good numbers. Soul winning safari, huge success. But you know, a lot of weeks we've come back with nobody that's been saved. Am I right? I know you had one you were hot on the trail with Saturday, Brother Kinsey. Sometimes we just don't get anybody in the net. It's kind of like going fishing, man. And sometimes you come home with nothing in the pan. But you know what? We are not really responsible for that. We are supposed to preach and soul win and bear the gospel and just simply be faithful. We are going to be rewarded for the faithfulness. Other people will be rewarded. Other people will be judged for the reception. We will be rewarded for faithfulness. They will be judged for their reception. 
They will have to do with it what they will. And you see, where they were told to preach, and yet they were told that you're not going to change anybody. I can't even imagine how discouraging that would be, but yet these men were faithful, and they kept doing it. I came to something in my personal study of Ezekiel. It just kind of leapt out at me, and I want to read it to you here today. Look at Ezekiel 6. If you go, I'm not going to read through all the verses, just simply for time's sake tonight. I do want to be considerate. I know y'all have had a long day, and if I get into this reading through it, I'll go into what's called expository preaching, which I love. I love doing it, love hearing it, but I'll get into every verse. It'll be a whole sermon, and it'll take me forever by the time I get to what I'm trying to get to. So basically, though, you'll see in the first you know, eight verses, you'll see that God is talking about judgments that are coming to Israel. And in verse 5, I point out in my notes here, in verse number 17, we see the four assassins of God, famine, evil beasts, pestilences, and sword. Then he goes on and elaborates it in chapter number 6. And then I came up here to verse number 9. Now let's catch this in 9. It says this, And they that escape of you shall remember me among the nations, whither they shall be carried captives, because I am broken with their, now it's going to use a word that is kind of a rude word in today's vernacular, but in their vernacular, this was a word that described an unfaithful wife or somebody who sold her body for money and, and, and was unfaithful to herself and her own virtues. So he uses this word. Now, it's not a word we want our kids to hear, but you guys understand what it is there. He says, and it was often used by God to describe somebody who had gone after idolatry. He compares idolatry to adultery, unfaithfulness. Giving your affections and love to somebody else other than who you're supposed to give it to. God says, I'm a jealous God. He, he's just like a husband whose wife is being unfaithful to him when he sees us bending our knee or praying or giving his glory to some other entity. He does not want that to happen. And it's a righteous. By the way, a man who's jealous, if a man's wife is unfaithful to him and he is jealous of this man, siphoning off affections that legally belong to him. When you make a vow, you have legally said that you will give these affections only, you're under a covenant. I will keep myself only unto you as long as we both shall live. Well, it is not a, a sin for a married person to be jealous of affections being siphoned off to someone who does not have a right to receive them. Uh, I'm not going, I should not have to compete as a married man for the affections of my wife, although a wise man will. A wise man will give his wife attention, and he will tell her she's pretty, and he will tell her that she's valuable, and he will remind her often that he loves her, and he'll be good to her, because I promise you, men, if you don't do it, somebody else is going to be willing to do it. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm not ever advocating that adultery is right, but sometimes women seek affections because they're not getting affections. But a man who is in a relationship should not have to compete with the affections of his wife with other men. Those are vowed to him, and vice versa. Our wives shouldn't have to compete with us. If a lady comes to your office that you find attractive and you start noticing her, your wife should not have to compete for affections. You ought to have the character to control yourself. Now, we're living in a world where men are in trouble all over the world for how they've treated women and how they've behaved around women. And the reality is we're in a world where people have lost control of themselves. 
People have lived by the motto, if it feels good, I'll do it. Well, the reality is, is that God says in this, people who give their affections to false God, I view you as a wife who's been unfaithful to her husband. The word used for that was a whorish woman. You guys know how the word is used in modern vernacular. I won't use it that way. But but in the, the biblical sense, that is the image that God is drawing out. Everybody got me? It's strong, and it's strong language, it's strong, I, it, you know, it, you think of the, the ideal there, it's very strong. He says, I am broken with their whorish heart, their unfaithful heart, which have departed from me, and with their eyes, which go a-whoring after their idols. They're giving their affection to false idols. God is very outraged, he's, he's full of a righteous form of jealousy, because it's his. He shouldn't have to compete for what's his. We belong to him. And they shall loathe themselves for the evils which they have committed in all their abominations. Now, the last phrase here is what caught my attention today. It says, they shall loathe themselves for the evils which they have committed in all their abominations. I want you to underline that. They shall loathe themselves. Why? For the evils which they have committed in all their abominations. You know... In studying this, go to the next slide there. You see the text verse. I looked up the word loathe. Now, I'm going to talk tonight about self-loathing. Caught my attention. Loathe, to dislike greatly. That's what I found in the Webster's Dictionary. When you loathe something, you dislike it greatly. You loathe anything? Ms. Cassie, what is it in this world that you loathe? You dislike it greatly. Don't say the Seminoles. <laughs> you loathe it. You've seen what it does. You have a horrible dislike because you've seen the damage it can do to family, what it does to people's health. You don't even want to hear anybody talk well of it. I bet you get irritated at the commercials that show it to be such a healthy, happy thing. You loathe it. Who else has got something you loathe? What do you loathe? Foul language. It's very offensive to you, isn't it? There was a time, by the way, when men had enough courtesy not to speak that way in front of a lady. Men might do it in the back room or locker room. I'm, I'm amazed at how people have lost that characteristic today. And I'm amazed how many women can outcurse men. But educated people, classy people, people that are that, that have some decency are not impressed with it. Loathe it. Hate to hear it. I hate, I hate it. I can't stand to be around all that. All right? Who else has something you loathe? Right here. What is something you loathe? Dislike. Hmm? You don't like to be around cigarette smoke. It really bothers you. probably burns your eyes, burns your lungs, makes you sick. When I was a boy, my grandparents both smoked. My mom and dad did not, but my grandparents did. I'd go stay with them. We'd get in their car, be driving along, be cold outside, the heater blasting, and they'd, they'd light up, both of them. I'd be in the back seat, <laughs> trying to breathe. Oh, I love them, but I loathe that. I'm with you on that. I couldn't, and I'd get out, and I'd smell it in my hair. I'd go to bed that night, and it's all over everything. I'd come home from their house, and my suitcase, my, my mother would take our suitcases and set them out in the sun, because all of our clothes and our suitcases, because they smoked, and, and it was just the way it was. A lot of people smoked back then, but. But I loathe it. I've seen what it does to people. 
I've preached funerals. I, I had to preach a funeral for a man that I loved very much, a member of our church, at my first pastorate, who got stricken with uh, cancer in his throat. They took out his voice box. He had to talk with that. And they, he had a tube. They put a tube in there. What's that called? A trachea? Trachea? I can't say it, but you know what I'm talking about. I kid you not. He was so addicted to smoking. He just couldn't break it. I went to see him in the hospital. He was in the hospital. He went outside with me. And he took a cigarette and he stuck it right here. And then he was blowing it out. It was just you know, smoke coming out of that. He didn't live long. He could not break it. And I've seen what it does to people's health. I promised God when I was 12 years old I'd never smoke a cigarette. 47, there's never been a cigarette touch on my lips. I hate the stuff. I don't like to be around. I like the smell of it. Who else has got? We'll take one more. Who's got something else? Jennifer? Drugs. And you've seen what drugs does to people. And, you know, there is a positive use of drugs. Drugs keeps people alive and helps them. People with chronic pain benefit and are able to function. But the abuse of drugs. Using drugs when you're not sick. Getting addicted to drugs. Of course, illegal narcotics. Ruins lives, man. I hate the stuff. hate it. hate what it does. There's things that we all have that we loathe. We dislike it greatly. All of us have a list. It might be foods that you dislike. Ms. Lee, is there any food that you loathe? Just can't eat it? Liver? Who's with her on that? Liver? Liver makes me quiver. I actually love chicken liver, but I don't like beef or any other kind. I love chicken livers. I mean, Brother Greg, woo! Remember that time we stopped? Got us a big old liver and gizzard feast, and we drove around the road. And, oh, yeah. My, my son, my, my kids love that stuff. There's a little gas station outside of Ocala. Love it! You put a plate of chicken liver in front of me, and I'm the happiest man in the world. But I don't like the liver and onions and the beef liver and all that kind of stuff. I don't really like that. I could eat it, though if it was put in front of me, but I'm not crazy. You can't even eat it. You loathe it. You can't even tolerate it. Hate it. The very side of it makes you feel sick. You know, there's only one food that I loathe. Only one. You guys know what it is. You know what it is, Angelica? I love, I love all kinds of food, and international foods and all kinds of stuff. I hate watermelon. It's a well-known fact. Oh, I drew the line there. Now, you, Baloo, it's a half, okay, this is a, and they kept telling me they're going to make me eat it, and they kept kidding me about it. Two things that I was horrified, don't tell me I was in the dog, and that's real, they eat it there, a lot, and he told me he wouldn't let me, I said, please, I'm asking you, don't let me eat dog, man. Roxy and Ruger will never, they say that dogs know when you've eaten dog, that's a legend over there. They say if you've eaten dog, dogs know it. They just kind of treat you different. I said, listen, man, I'm a dog breeder. I can't have this, this, this on me. I can't have this, 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 this thing on me. So I said, you've got to warn me. We were actually at a church, and there was a dish. He pointed at it, and he said, I was like, all right. I ate everything else they put in front of me, but he, we, were, we were fixing our own plate. And I started to go there, and he pointed at it and shook me off. I don't know, but I think it was dog. He told me not to eat it. But they have this thing called blue, and it's a, 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 like a, it's like a chicken or a duck. It's a duck, isn't it? It's a, it's a bird that's kind of half, or it's like 
almost completely developed inside the egg, and they, they like boil it or something or cook it. They break it open and they're like, it's just, it's a, it's a bird inside of an egg. It's like, it's not like an egg yolk, it's the bird. And they love it. And I said, well, you, they said, yeah, when they cook it, you can eat the beak and the feet and everything. They, just, it's, they eat all of it. They just eat the whole thing. They love it. They, it's a delicacy. I loathe even the thought of it is loathing to me. Well, anyway, I don't like watermelon. But in any case, most things I can handle. Some things you just loathe. You just loathe it. All right. So, to dislike greatly, so obviously, self-loathing is to dislike yourself greatly. You know there are people who loathe themselves? They dislike themselves. They don't respect themselves. If they were somebody else, they wouldn't even be their own friend. You understand what I'm saying when I say that? If you take the verse, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, they know that they would be the kind of person they wouldn't like to deal with. There's people that really loathe themselves. Don't like themselves. Don't respect themselves. They don't like looking at themselves. They don't like thinking about themselves. And so, I got to thinking about this. God said, after all this is done, they shall loathe themselves for the evils which they have committed in all their abominations. God said, when this is all done, you're going to dislike yourself very much because of the things you've done and the consequences of it. You're going to be mad at yourself that you put yourself in this position. You're going to have a hatred towards your own being. I mean, people get there. Suicides are often their result. Sometimes it's the result of guilt, but a lot of times it's the result of self-loathing. People that just flat don't see any good in themselves. Now, I want to give you a couple things tonight, just as a practical thing. That I said, caught my attention. I don't know if it'll help anybody or maybe just be trivial. But I want to talk to you quickly about things that will cause you to loathe yourself. And I'm going to give you a solution at the end. These are things that, if we're not careful, can cause people to come to a point where they loathe themselves. Here's the first point. If you'll go to it. Here it is. You ready? Committing many regrettable actions through foolish decisions. There are people who loathe themselves, and a lot of it is because they've done a lot of things they regret. They've made a lot of foolish decisions in life. Now they've reached a point where they do not like themselves. They loathe themselves. Now, one of the strongest examples of this that I've ever seen was I knew a lady that had, she got pregnant at a young age, and she chose to have an abortion. She knew it was wrong, was raised in church. Her parents were Christians. She was a Christian, but it was a desperate moment, and she did something she never thought she'd ever do. Knew this person very well. She secretly went out. If I can tell you the whole story, the lady was actually married and had three kids. She had stepped out on her husband and gotten pregnant. Her husband would have known it wasn't his baby. He'd had a vasectomy. Now, she was raised in church. She was a person who didn't mean for this to happen. Okay, years went by. I never knew what happened. One night, this particular person who confided in me that this had happened years ago told me the whole story. And it was 
a person much older than me and somebody that it just shot me to death. It was a, it was a family member who is in heaven now. But I mean, it happened about 20 years ago before she told me this. 20 years has passed since she did this to cover what had happened. She didn't want her husband to know about it, didn't want her kids to know about it, so she said, I knew it was wrong. She said, I didn't, I've, I've been against it. By the way, staunch conservative Republican, always was, would literally have voted against anybody that was pro-abortion. She said, I never dreamed that I could do something like this, but I did. She said, I went out and had an abortion. Then she started weeping. I'm, it was uncomfortable. This is a senior relative of mine, not a cousin, not senior relative. She started telling me this. I was staying at her house, and she's telling me all this. I said, Whoa, wish I'd have gone to bed a little earlier tonight. This is a little heavy. She started bawling, crying. She told me, she said, it wrecked my life. She said, and I thought I was going to cover it up. She said, it doesn't ever go away. She said, I turned to alcohol. She got into drugs. Ended up wrecking her marriage anyway. She began to tell me just how ugly she has felt since all of this. She began to tell me how she just weeps and cries and would give anything. She said, I must be a horrible person to do what I've done. Now, that's an example of how regrettable decisions can make you one day loathe yourself. The abominations you commit, you think you might get away with it. You might do it, nobody ever know, but here's the problem, you always know. You always know. You might can steal from your job at work because you're in desperation, and you might be clever enough that you'll never get caught. It might be because you're up against it and you need a few grand, or, and you might be clever enough to do it. Here's the problem. You will know. And eventually, that will fester into self-loathing and disrespect. You will one day look at the mirror and say, I cannot believe I did that. And you won't like yourself because of it. We see here where self-loathing can come on a person because of committing many regrettable actions through foolish decisions. And we see it. There's so many examples. I, I talked to a man that I used to work with who got involved with another woman, lost his marriage. I went to see him after his wife had just kicked him out. He was in an apartment. Now, he was married, had two kids, had a good life. Met a young lady. One thing led to another. He didn't mean to lose his marriage. Didn't think he'd ever do what he did, and he certainly didn't think he'd ever get caught. Well, I went to see him. He was a preacher, by the way. He was on staff at a church, good friend of mine. I went to see him, talked to him. Man, I'm going to tell you, self-loathing. Didn't feel he should ever preach again. Didn't feel he was qualified to ever serve God again. Basically, looked at himself, and I mean, it was just how in the world could a person like me who knows what I know and been taught what I've been taught do something like this? And I mean, buddy, it was, it was, it was rough talking to him. And I wish I could say his story got better, but you know, whenever you learn to hate yourself, sometimes the end's not going to be a good story. Well, again, there's somebody with regrettable actions through foolish decisions, and it led him to hate himself. I talked to a guy one time who told me a horrible story about how when he was a teenager, he got drunk, 
And while driving drunk, he had a wreck and he killed his best friend. 30 years ago, probably. It was a long time ago. But here he is still. He hates himself for it. And he'll never be at peace. Foolish decision causing a regrettable action which has led to self-loathing. He'll never forgive himself for it. He'll never get over it. He'll never find peace in his heart because he can't fix what he did. You see what I'm talking about, beloved? You better watch the decisions you make because some of them, although may be an escape, they may be an easy way, they may be something you think will never get caught, and you may never get caught. But one day the worst... And by the way, let me say this. I think one of the worst punishments, judgments that can come on a person is self-loathing. Because where do you go for a reprieve there? You know what I have found to be true when it comes to forgiveness? It is easier for us to forgive others than it is ourselves sometimes. Isn't that true? Well, be careful. Just be careful. And I'm going to come to good news in a minute. And I'm going to help even those of you that may fall in this first category. And there's people in church that are in that. There are people in church that have things that are from your youth, things before you got saved, things that when you lacked wisdom and knowledge, you did things. And now sometimes when you think about it, you hate yourself for it, and you loathe yourself. Well, that does come with the territory, but there is an answer. Number two, though, let's look at another reason. Lack of good judgment. Sometimes we burn bridges, we waste opportunities, we squander uh, things in our life, then we look at our life where it's at now, and we loathe ourselves for our lack of good judgment. One and two kind of go together, so I won't camp on that. Let's go to number three. Despicable actions towards others can cause you to, de- to loathe yourself. What are you talking about? I'm talking about people that mistreat other people. Listen, bullies. You know, some, one of these points you're going to grow up, some of these kids that may bully each other, and you work with kids, you see bullying every day. They just, kids are rough. Kids are mean. And here's the sad part about it. We were too when we were little. Except most people mature and grow out of it, realizing that's not, you don't laugh at somebody because they trip and fall. Now, if we saw Miss Cassie trip and fall off the stage, we would not laugh, at least immediately. Laughing would come later, after we know you're okay. That's right. If you're okay, nothing broken, at least too bad, we, we'll, 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 we're going to, our initial response would be, oh, no, we're going to jump up and help her up. I mean, man, I've seen people. I saw, remember Miss Riles fall off the stage? Oh, it was bad. She went to step off, and this right here caught her foot. And I mean, she went face first down. She couldn't walk for about four days after. And nobody laughed. We all jumped up and ran, helped her up. We didn't want that to happen. I'm going to tell you something, though. You watch our school kids and one of their friends falls. Watch, watch the school kids and one of their friends trip and fall. At any school in America. Watch, watch school kids and one of their friends gets up here and messes up. Watch any school kid when their kids, something happens, you know, and they bump their head or whatever. They'll, they're going to be dying laughing and they're going to have their phones out filming it. Instead of being gentle and not embarrassing them, they're going to post it all over Facebook and humiliate. And that's the way they roll. You know why? Because they, they, they don't have any knowledge. They lack wisdom. They lack judgment. And they don't think they're ever going to think about it. Let me tell you where they're going to loathe themselves. 
when they're a parent watching somebody laugh at their kid, then they're going to realize how it felt to those parents when they laughed at kids when they were little. There are things I've done, Miss Cassie, and I was like all kids, where there, when we were all little, where maybe there was that kid that everybody picked on. Now, normally, I was not that kind of kid, and I'm not trying to glamorize myself. I just wasn't that kind of person, and I was very superstitious about making fun of handicapped people, even as a little boy. I just thought that was very superstitious about that. I guess in my mind, I felt like if I made fun of people handicapped, God might, you know, reward me with giving me a child to understand what they're going through. I, I just was superstitious about it. Does anybody ever feel that way? Did anybody ever wonder about that? Now, I know that's not how it works, and I know that that's not, but as a child, that's how I thought. But there were times when I know I bullied other kids. Wasn't normal, but there were times I did do it. Times that I should have been a friend and I wasn't. Times that I made fun of people when I shouldn't have. And you know, sometimes I loathe myself because of that. I think, man, I'd give anything if I could go back in time and change that. I should have been a friend to that kid, not the kid laughing at him with everybody else. Now, I'm grateful that you grow up and you mature and... and, and but I mean, there's people that have done horrible things to people. Horrible things to people. To mock them, to make fun of them, to make them embarrassed, to make them look bad. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, you can do whatever you want concerning other people, but one day when you've been horrible, you've done despicable things towards people, you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to loathe yourself. It's just going to work that way. If you're a guy that's gone around just breaking women's hearts, there's going to come a day that that reality hits you and you're going to loathe yourself when you see yourself for how you are and what you've done and people you've hurt. Hey, there's people that do it. There's people that are bullies. There's self pe selfish people. People that have just gone around for their selfishness and they've just been self-serving and hurtful and thoughtless. There's going to come a day when the reality about you will hit you, probably when you're alone. Nobody wants to be around you. Or when you see somebody you love being treated the way that you treated others and the hurt in your little daughter's eye when some guy does to her what you have done to so many others, it's just the way it comes back. You know, sowing and reaping. We have those wake-up calls. You go around being hurtful and hateful. One day you're going to loathe yourself. You're going to say, man, I'm just really not a good person. Let me give you a fourth one quickly. Violating your own principles and ethics can lead to a lot of self-loathing down the road. Everybody has a standard. Now, everybody's standards may not be the same as everybody, but everybody has a standard, a way of doing things, principles, a way of conducting yourself, ethics. There are things that I see preachers do, and they're successful. They, they get, for instance, I know pastors that have no qualms in stealing other people's sheep, other, other churches' members. They see a member sitting in a restaurant, they'll come by and sit with them, drop their, their car and say, hey, we can sure you, you, use you over here. They come to your church and they hear, hear women sing, boy, we can sure use your voice over at you know, so-and-so Baptist church over here. They don't have any qualms in inviting a member if they hear you're a little disgruntled. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I have an ethical problem with that. I just don't think it's right. I don't believe in stealing sheep. I'm a shepherd. God will bring me the sheep he wants me, and I shouldn't try to take them from another church. Yet there are men who have huge churches, and they're constantly siphoning off, getting buddied up to other people's. And I'm, I'm, man, I know they're a member of another church. I'm almost standoffish. 
I don't go to pastor's fellowships and try to buddy up with other people. I'm very careful about it. Yet I've had men do it to me. I've had man, men buddy up to our staff and buddy up to our people and, and drop little hints. Hey, you ever want to leave you know, Orlando Baptist Temple? We've we got a place for you over here. I've had men say, and that's just ethically wrong. Now, they may get a family, but for me, if I violate my ethics, that's going to be a loathing situation for me where I'm going to look at myself and not respect myself at all. Now, you all have your own things. You should. You should have levels of character and ethics and rules for how you conduct yourself. I mean, guys, you can go around flirting with married men's wives, married women. But there ought to be an ethic about you that says this is not right. Now, you may get her to flirt back, and you may even get her to engage in something, which is going to lead to some self-loathing down the road because you're not going to respect yourself. You're not going to respect yourself. I think of that story of Adonai Bezek in 1 Kings chapter 1. Adonai Bezek took 60-some-odd kings and captured them, cut their thumbs off and their big toes and chained them under his table, fed them scraps till they died. And he took great joy in the suffering he brought to other people. Took great joy in it. Then one day somebody defeated him in battle, and guess what they did to him? Jacob and Caleb, or Caleb and Joshua beat him in battle. They cut his thumbs off, they cut his toes off, they chained him below the table. The Bible records his thoughts. And just to paraphrase it, you know what he said? I'm just going to paraphrase it using English vernacular of our day. I deserve this. I had this a coming. He spent the last years of his life doing a lot of self-loathing when he realized the misery he put on other men now that it's being done to him. Look, you ought to have some ethics. There ought to be some things you don't do, and, and you may do it. You yield to temptation, you yield to opportunisticness, and you violate your principles. I mean, look, how many of you have the principle that it's wrong to lie? Yet you can be tempted to lie in a desperate situation, but you need to beware when it's all said and done, and you may get away with it, but you're going to loathe yourself. Has that ever happened? Did you ever cheat on a test in school? Don't answer that. Think about it. Did you ever cheat on a test because you didn't study and you were desperate? BJ, I know. Don't answer that. <laughs> Billy was a good boy, but now listen, BJ. Billy, don't comment either. Just be quiet. Just sit there. He's your counselor. I'm telling you, don't answer that. All right. You ever cheated on a test, got a good grade, and had your mom and dad going on and on about how great it was? And all of a sudden, you're just feeling like, because you know you cheated on it? Instead of being proud of yourself, you started self-loathing yourself. That was on an episode of Andy Griffith, where a little Opie cheated on a test, and his dad went out and bought him a bike and was bragging on him to Barney. He felt so bad, and he couldn't get over it, and the guilt was so horrible that he finally came and told his dad that he cheated on the test. Did anybody ever see that? Yeah. Self-loathing. You know, I'm telling you, you better, you better listen to your ethics, your principles, and if you don't have any, you've got a whole other set of problems. I mean, like I say, there's just a lot of things you can do it, but just because you can't do it, don't make it right. And just because there's no one there not telling you to do it, you ought to have something inside of you that says don't do it. Now, the reality is you violate that stuff, 
It's going to bring you to a place where you do not respect yourself and you loathe yourself. You're going to not like yourself. And when you can get to the point where you don't like yourself, it just goes really bad out of control after that. All right, number five, I'm almost done. Neglecting your own well-being can cause you to loathe yourself. Boy, I'm guilty of this one. I'm guilty of it. I'll gain 15 pounds. I don't mean to. It happens. If it was as fun to lose it as it is to gain it, I'd be in great shape. I'll be going along, big old meals like we had Sunday night. Except I'll have a week where there's five of those. Instead of having one piece of cheesecake, I'll have one and a half. By the way, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm bad about. I'll make myself a little small plate, but all the food's on the table. So I'll get done eating, and then I'll just sit there and get just a little bit more, a little bit more, and then a few minutes later, another little bite. Not enough to make a plate, just a bite. But you know, 37 little bites ends up being a, one big, huge plate. I've had to tell Christie's, I'm just take the food. I can't sit and rant, but leave it on the stove, you know. It's within arm's reach. I'll just keep filling my plate. Well, here's the thing. There's times before I know it, I've put on 20 pounds. My suits won't fit. My shirts won't button. I'm miserable. And I've had to struggle with my weight. Who's with me on that? I'm not one of those blessed people that just can eat whatever. And, you know, I'm not one of those. I have to constantly, constantly watch what I eat. I was in a pizza place the other day. And I ordered a pizza, and he said, do you want that cut into four slices or eight? I said, you better cut it into four, because I'm watching my diet. I'm watching what I eat, I want to diet. So anyway, I only ate four pieces. Anyway, I'm just constantly worrying about my weight, man, and it's just part of life. And I get serious. You guys know me. You've seen me through the years. I get heavy, and I drop it, and I get heavy, and I drop it. And usually after Christmas, I get pretty serious, and from January to the summer, then I hit the church camp and the vacation, and I come right out of that hunting seasons, right into the holidays, where I'm literally, I spent over 60 nights in a motel last year. Try dieting on the road that much. 60 nights in another bed other than my own. Somewhere around 60, I don't know, Miss Jackie, you may know the number more. It, it was a lot. Sitting in airports, you're bored. Anybody ever been in an airport? I spent 13 hours in the most lame airport in America. 13-hour layover in Tri-State Airport. Where is that at? West Virginia? West Virginia. North Carolina? I mean, it couldn't have been one of those cool airports like Atlanta where you can shop. No, you know what I had to do for 13 hours? Eat. Because I was angry and I was bored and I needed comfort. Now, I'll do stuff and I'll end up gaining 15 pounds or so. And I'm going to tell you, that old saying, when you hate yourself enough, you'll join the gym. When you hate, you're looking at yourself enough in the mirror, you'll go on a diet. That rings true for me. There's times that I literally hate my image in the mirror. And I hate pictures. Somebody will show me a picture of me, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's Jabba the Hutt. And then I'll, I'll try to get serious about it, and I'll lose, you know, 15, 16 pounds, and and I'll go through and take me about three months to do it, but I'll, I'll eat right for good. And I'll feel good, then I'll get out of it again, and then when I start to feel horrible about it, I'll get back on it. I'm going to tell you, though, you better take care of yourself because a lot of people hate themselves because they don't like what they see in the mirror. Take care of yourself. They don't like how they feel because they don't take care of themselves. Do the best you can because it's not easy, especially in the adult realm. You have to figure out a way of eating that you feel good. You've got to figure out a way to get some form of exercise. Do not let yourself go. You can be a little heavy but still be healthy. 
if you are you know, trying to exercise as much as you can and, and just not letting it just get where you just... People reach a point. And, and look, you ever watch Richard Simmons? Men don't admit it. Women, this is for you. You ever watch any of the Richard Simmons shows? What is always a big segment on it? Women that sit with him and they all cry. And they all tell about how they hated the way they looked and hated themselves and they grew to a point where they didn't, they didn't want their husband to even look at them and they... You know what I'm saying? It affected their, their romantic life. It affected their, uh, it, you know, and, and you'll hear those stories. People have even killed themselves because they hated their appearance. You know, a lot of teenagers commit suicide because they don't look like a cover, cover model. It happens. Self, you know, self, the self-image thing. Neglecting your own well-being, you got to, do the best you can to, to take care of yourself because it can lead to a lot of self-loathing. When you're sitting there and you've got a whole cheesecake and you've worked your way down to the last bite and you know you've eaten the whole thing sitting there at midnight in your house watching Lifetime, and then you take that last bite and you look down and say, why did I do that? And then you sit there and you wallow in self-loathing for the next four days because you're now reaping the benefit of an entire four pounds of cheesecake right here. Now, don't act like you haven't done it. I'm not the only one in here that's done it. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Say amen. Yeah. And you hate yourself when you're done. And a lot of people, now we're being a little funny, and I know there's little degrees of this, but there are people who literally have lost control of this thing, and they literally loathe their appearance. They loathe themselves. They, they don't, they're mad at themselves that they can't get this under control. So you've got to be careful. Now, lastly, it goes along with this one, but it's a little different. Poor self-image. Do you know that there are beautiful, model-looking girls that you can't pinch an inch of fat on them, and they loathe themselves? Sometimes it's an eating disorder, and a lot of eating disorders are the root of self-loathing. You just don't think you're pretty. No matter how many times people tell you you're pretty, you don't feel pretty. No matter how many girlfriends a guy can have, he doesn't feel handsome. Uh, a lot of people are bad people because they just have such a poor self-image. They're bad to other people. They're, they're bad to themselves. Now, there's all kinds of levels of this, but let me just remind you as I'm closing out my thought here, you are what God made you. If you look in the mirror and you're mad because you wish you were a blonde with blue eyes, who was, you know, five foot ten and weighed 110 pounds. Some girls are in great peril. Am I right? There are teenage girls that are in great peril. I mean, literally, their life is in danger because they loathe the way they look. They're angry that God made them with a certain body type. Now, if you're somebody that has a good body image, then praise the Lord for that. That's a healthy way of thinking. There are people that can't get there. There was a lot of teenage girls starving themselves, vomiting after they eat. This, uh, what is that called? Uh, anorexia, bulimia. These are diseases that come from people's bad self-images often. They, they, they see themselves in, in a way that is not accurate. Some girls, you know, literally, you're reading now of 14, 15-year-old girls having plastic surgeries to look like girls that are movie stars and pop stars. And there's that human Barbie woman that, that's addicted to having surgeries, and she's literally made herself look like a plastic Barbie doll. These are people that have image problems, and they usually have relationship problems, and they usually 
A lot of them become suicidal. Well, you need to remember, God has made you what you are. God has given you the body you have. You're a one-of-a-kind creation. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, I believe that you ought to do everything you can to improve yourself. Makeovers are great. Ladies, I'm for it. You'll feel like a million bucks. Go get a makeover once in a while. Amen? Am I right? Don't you feel good when you come out of the beauty parlor? Isn't it a great thing? I wouldn't know, but I've heard. Brother Gary says, man, I feel good when I come out of the salon. Hey, go you know, wear up-to-date clothing. Sometimes just getting a new outfit, you can just feel so... Listen, I've had nights when I was a teenager where I had to go out for the evening because my hair just looked too good to stay home. JC, you know what I'm talking about. Billy, you know what I'm talking about. BJ has no idea, but you know what I'm saying. Hey, what I'm saying is, is sometimes just getting a new hairdo, getting a new outfit or two, going and just updating your image, going and getting a facial, all those things can help you feel better about yourself. But man, ultimately, you've just got to have a healthy view, knowing that you are what God made you. Be yourself. Just be the best that you can be. If you don't like the way your weight is, then, then look into diet plans. Go join a club. Go for, get, get a walking partner. If you are looking at yourself in the mirror and you're loathing what you see, find ways that maybe you can improve that. But ultimately, you've got to learn to be satisfied. You are what God made you. No matter how much I wish I was 6'5". Sometimes, I mean, listen, when I was in high school playing basketball, I wish I was, I'm the only man in three generations that didn't break six foot. My brothers are 6'3", my dad's 6'2", my grandpa was 6'3", my great-grandpa was 6'1". Both my uncles are over six foot. Then comes me, the runt. Russell the runt. I'm 5'10 and three quarters. And those three quarters are very important to me. And when I wear boots, I'm almost at six foot. Men, Jackie, you know what I'm talking about? You feeling my pain? No matter how much I wish I could change that, I'm not going to change that. But you know what? It's not the only place a person can find value. Looks, beauty, body image, it's not the only place you have value. And I'll tell you something else. No matter what you look like, there's somebody out there that sees you as the perfect image of what they want and desire. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a marvelous, it's a miraculous thing. And it's just a great thing when you see God bring two people together and they love each other. Somebody out there for you, if that's what you're praying for. All right, here's the solution, and this is my final thought, we'll be done. The solutions to self-loathing, here it is, man. If you don't want to be somebody self-loathing, as the Bible said Israel would become because of their abominations, number one, live a life which pleases God. Number two, bear the fruit of the Spirit. Because the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit is, the, is the, you know, the fruit of the devil, and that's the opposite. Where there's joy, he has sadness. Where there's love, the fruit of the, of the flesh is... The fruit of the flesh is the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. Don't live in your flesh. Fruit of the flesh will cause you to loathe yourself. Fruit of the Spirit brings peace, love, joy, long-suffering, not just for others, but for yourself. Bear the fruit of the Spirit in your spirit. Don't allow your flesh to control your, speak, your, your, your thinking. Be in the Spirit in your thinking. Allow the Holy Spirit to shape you and refine you. If you don't like the way you are, ask the Holy Spirit to help you change. If you don't respect the way you are, if you've got some bad habits and a lot of regrets, 
You need to ask the Holy Spirit to help shape and refine you, and he will. There are people that were horrible people that the power of God has made into wonderful, useful, helpful people. He can do the same for you in the areas you're bothered by. Pray about it. And then lastly, remember that you have been forgiven and restored by the grace of God. I, I, I love that verse. All things are made new. You're not what you used to be, and thanks to the grace of God, you can be a new creature in Christ. Some of you may suffer from that first one, regrets in your life that cause you to loathe yourself in this latter age. Now that you're enlightened and you have wisdom, you need to remember something, though. The grace of God is a wonderful thing. And we do a lot of things out of stupidity and ignorance. We make bad decisions, poor judgment calls. But the grace of God can restore us. And although you've got some spots on the, on the garment, God can wash it white as snow. You've got to remind yourself of that, or else you're going to find yourself in the life of just self-loathing and self-punishment. And it's miserable to talk to somebody who's just given in to self-loathing. Now, many of you, we don't have time, but you probably have examples in your heart of people that you know have just given in to self-loathing. They don't even think they deserve happiness. They don't think they deserve a good mate. They don't think they deserve another chance. That's one of the most horrible, to me, judgments that comes from the abominations of life. When you become a person full of self-loathing, don't let it happen to you. Amen? I hope it's been a helpful lesson. It's just something that caught me. Got my mind working around it. I'm going to be getting into the uh, science, archaeology, and the Bible first Wednesday night of February. I hope you'll be a part of the crowd because we're going to have a good time with it. Spread the word to others. Let's get people here. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Let me ask you a simple question. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Now, I'm looking around the room. I know everybody here, but I cannot close this service without asking that question. My conscience will not permit that. So listen, search your heart. Have you asked Jesus to come in your heart? Are you born again? If you say, preacher, I'm 100% sure that I am saved, would you just slip your hand up as a testimonial? Amen. I see hands everywhere. Was there anybody that could say, preacher, I couldn't raise my hand? Couldn't raise my hand. But I want, I want to be saved. Anybody? Man, I would really hate it one day to stand before the Lord and watch a member of this church be sentenced to hell forever. I feel so responsible for you to, to preach and teach salvation and never take for granted that everybody is saved. Bear with me, all of you that come every service when I ask that question. It's very important to me, though. Dear Lord, I've done my best to just touch a very practical topic, something that hammers a lot of people. Lord, I, I've had it hit me. Times that I really just loathed myself because I allowed something to happen or did something in poor judgment. Or because I did something long ago and I'd give anything to change it and I wonder what kind of person must I be to have done that. But God, I'm so grateful that you have such wonderful grace. And that although we all have done things that we regret and even sometimes loathe ourselves for, if we'll give that to you and just remember that you have forgiven us, and then go and do it no more. Go and sin no more. Just like you told the lady there when you spared her life. The men all dropped their rocks and they walked away. And You looked at her and you said, go and sin no more. God, let us remember that we need to go and just sin no more. And we don't have to loathe ourselves. We learn from it. Lord, I pray that our members will live a life that can allow them to 
to not loathe themselves. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.